it's time to take off on the Award Travel 101 podcast. Helping you maximize your travel rewards, no matter your destination or budget. Now here are your hosts, Award Travel 101 Community Managers, Angie Sparks and Joseph Petrovic, to help you do extraordinary things on Ordinary Money. When it comes to award travel, earning points is easier than redeeming them for the best value. Rather than spending hours per trip searching on your own, let Thrifty Traveler Premium's Army of Flight Analysts do the work for you with their customized premium alerts. Since we're seeing award space to more locations than we've seen in years, you will know that you have a partner you can trust watching out for you and that you're getting a great deal every single day from Thrifty Traveler's premium alert service. Whether using miles or points, or you're just looking for a cheap cash flight, Thrifty Traveler Premium will send customized alerts just for you. Just recently, with the help of Thrifty Traveler's Premium Alerts, I was able to book the brand new Japan Airlines A350-1000 in business class to Tokyo for just 60,000 American Advantage miles and $5.60. I booked previous alerts like Emirates Business Class from Milan on the A380 for 73,000 points, Iberia Business Class to Venice for 34,000 points, and business class on ITAS, or you might recognize it as ITA, brand new A330 900 Neo for 54,000 points from Rome to New York City. So if you want more premium deal award alerts sent straight to your inbox, head on over to thriftytraveler.com and use promo code AT101 for $10 off your first year and tell us where you're hoping Thrifty Traveler Premium will take you. Welcome to episode 52 of the Award Travel 101. My name is Joseph Petrovic. Hi, I'm Angie Sparks. How are you? I'm fantastic. And we're here for our 52nd episode. That's 52 weekly episodes. This is our anniversary of the Award Travel 101 podcast since reintroducing last year. This is kind of crazy. I actually remember being in Iceland on a trip with my son when we had our uh, call with the Ward Wallet and discussing whether we wanted to <laughs> reinvigorate the podcast. And what was funny is my son's in the background. He's a huge podcast listener. And he's back there going, no, okay. don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> I'm glad we did it, though. Yeah, trying to figure out if we could keep up with a weekly schedule. And, and I remember when we first discussed it, it was something where we thought, oh, maybe we'll do it once every two weeks or maybe once a month. Yeah. And- and we we managed to pull it up. Not always. Sometimes it's on the fly, but, uh, you know. It's... Right. <laughs> <laughs> so episode 52 of the Award Travel 101 podcast, it's our anniversary. And we're going to discuss back to basics and strategies for building healthy credit and better welcome offers. So we're going to get into that. But before we jump into it, let's look at our post of the week. So we actually had two of them, and they kind of tie into what our main feature is, so we'll touch on them a little bit when we get over to that. But the first one is Beth Haynes, who's one of our pretty active members. Chase hates her. <laughs> she product changed She product changed her Sapphire in preparation for being able to get a new Sapphire because it's been 48 months since the first sign-up bonus, and they keep denying her. They won't allow her to apply for it again. And she has a very, very good credit score and she has a hefty income. She's got loads of Chase business cards. They just won't let her get it. And, and, you know, obviously she could always 
rate product change back up to a Sapphire, but she really wants that sign-up bonus. And then you talk about the second one. Yeah, before we jump over into that, it's a reminder that not everything will always go the way that you may expect it to just because, hey, every 48 months you want to get a sign-up bonus. So it's best to have a strategy in mind with what to do if things don't go that way and, and doesn't work out. In her case, it works out because she already had an ink preferred, so she's still able to transfer her points. But if you cannot get an ink preferred or you are struggling to get chase cards because you're on the border with them, it may not be worth doing this. And that's one of the things that, you know, keeps things in perspective to me as far as my P2, because she is certainly eligible to drop that card. And we do have other cards. So luckily now we have a couple of other transferable points cards. And, you know, it's something we could change our cards to. But I also know that personally, I'm not eligible. I'm over 524. And that P2, I'm I'm very questionable with, you know, what she does as to whether or not, you know, I'm going to push through with her. So just make sure you know what you're doing before you get into trouble and product change. You do have actually 30 days to change that decision back. So if you don't, you can't manage to get approved within those 30 days, it may be worth product changing it right back to <laughs> that Sapphire card so that you you still have that op- opportunity to grab those transferable points and use them in that manner. So yeah, I hope I'm not in the same boat as her because I have product changed mine, but I do have an old Ink Plus card so I can still transfer. And I'm planning to product change my, my Boundless card to a Ritz card so that I have the exact same travel protections as my CSR or as what I had on my CSR. So if I can't get another Sapphire, you know, it's not the end of the world, but it would really like that sign-up bonus. And I'm waiting for an elevated offer to come around before I even give it a shot and try for it. Yeah. And that brings us to the other post of the week, which got a lot of love from our members in the community and a lot of discussion on it. And it was from John Bouchon. And I believe that would be how you pronounce his name. But if not, I apologize. He he was saying that he thought there was a lot of overemphasis on us discussing the Chase Inc. cards. And I think a lot of members had things to say. What were your thoughts on this post? So when I first originally saw it in the queue, I was going to, you know, go ahead and approve it and say, you know, thanks for your opinion. He, you know, he says that he can't get business cards. He can't get tons of credit cards, you know, in a year like some members can, and that he didn't think we were doing our community a service by, you know, constantly harping on it. And you had a good point that, you know, we've got over 100,000 members in our group and not everybody sees every post that comes out. And even on this particular one, we did have members come in saying, oh my gosh, I didn't realize that this offer was ending tomorrow. Thank you for letting us know this again. But a lot of people were chiming in and saying, you know, just because it doesn't work for you doesn't mean there's other stuff in this group that doesn't work for you. You know, it's like, it's like everything on the internet. Just scroll on by if it doesn't work, you know, take out uh, from the group what really does help you. And a lot of people chimed in and said other ways that the group had helped them and had them, you know, think about different things. One member didn't chime in and say, thank you for saying this because I really feel like there's one card that's talked about all the time and they're just shills for this bank. (laughs) Like, well, I guarantee you, I know which card you're talking about and I bet it's this. And here's why we mention this card all the time. 
she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, that is it. And I understand now. So there's a lot of discussion on why we push chase cards and specifically the Sapphire preferred for anyone wondering what that particular card is. Not my favorite starter card. I think there are some better cards out there, but there's more effort that has to go into them, which is why we, you know, one of the reasons why, not the only reason, but one of the reasons why, you know, Chase is very easy to get started with and it's almost impossible to lose with the Sapphire Preferred. Well, and I think it's got a modest annual fee. There's a lot of people that start this hobby. They've never paid an annual fee. And so they're kind of freaked out by the idea of some of these $700 a year annual fees. It's like, no, I'm never paying that. And I was like that personally. So it has a modest annual fee. It has really good transfer partners with Hyatt, United, Southwest, you know, British Airways. I mean, you know, you can aeroplane. There's so many different transfer partners with it. It has good travel protections built in already. It's a really good starter card. Plus, as we have already talked about, 524. You don't want to go screaming past it and be locked out of all the chase cards for the next two years. You know, they are not the be all and end all, everything that's out there, but there's a lot of really good cards that they have. And you don't want to be sitting there watching those go by going, I want an ink, <laughs> but you can't get it. Sorry. So there's a reason that we, there really are legitimate reasons. Certainly there are other cards that are higher earning. There are other cards that maybe have better benefits, but overall that card, it's a good beginner card. And I tell people, I tell like real life friends that are asking me about this. I'm like, okay, with where we live, the fact that we have a priority pass restaurant at our airport, you can make good a, a good call that the reserve is a better crowd for you than the preferred, even though it has the higher annual fee, because you can use that priority pass restaurant. You can get a global entry credit for one of your kids. You know, it's it's easier to tell people that a $95 card is a good way to get into this hobby than a $550 annual fee card. Absolutely. Let's head on over to the news. Uh, we do have a couple of things to uh, cover, and uh, it has been a few weeks since we've recorded, so there's actually a lot of news that we're not going to be able to touch on all of it. But uh, one of the things that happened um, is that Alaska started canceling 20% of their flights. And why is that? Because 20% of their planes were that MAX 9 we discussed uh, a couple weeks ago and uh, with that plug issue. And I'm not sure when that plane is going to be ungrounded, but there were a lot of things going wrong with that. And unfortunately, it had an impact on Mike and me this past weekend. Yep. No pancake <laughs> run. Sorry yeah. for you guys. You had to, st but is it warmer in Seattle than it is where you yes, guys it, are? Yes, it absolutely. It was uh, going to be in the 40s and actually up to I think, the low 50s, which, you know, may sound uh, cold to you. But for me, sitting at 10 degrees outside and, <sighs> and negative wind shear factors, uh, it was definitely going to be a step up. It was interesting. So we, Angie mentioned the pancake uh, run and we had lovingly named it that ourselves. It's not really called the pancake run, but for a five-week window, Alaska Airlines had combined two routes, which is Seattle to Cleveland and Seattle to Pittsburgh into one. They were running a triangle route, Seattle to Cleveland to Pittsburgh, back to Seattle. And a few days before our flight was going out, we started noticing that they started canceling that entire route. 
all the way up. I think we noticed it Sunday or Monday that the flight started getting canceled several days out. And on Wednesday night, we finally got the notice that it was not happening and they canceled it. I believe they restarted it this past weekend, which would have been as this episode airs going back to Saturday, January 20th. So this is something that, you know, we had looked forward to. We were going to meet up with some other award travel members out on the coast, out in Seattle, do a couple of fun things. But, you know, it's a great reason to understand that, you know, there are, are a lot of things that are flexible here that we can do with travel rewards and loyalty programs and make changes quick and, and being able to adapt on the fly. Sorry for you guys. I know you were looking forward to it. And I know the other members who were going to meet up with you were looking forward to it because I've gotten messages from them. The next piece of news doesn't affect me, but I've seen your offer and I saw Mike's offer. United has offered Premier Elite status buy-up offers and they just look so reasonable. What was yours? <laughs> so as many people may have heard me discuss that I got the 1K challenge back in 2022, I milked that for as long as I could. I'm still 1K for a few more, maybe a week or week and a half or so. And then I fall off to silver and they gave me a gold buy up for like 550, 600,000 points or $6,000. And it's like, what a deal. <laughs> uh, just kind of curious what listeners, what offers they got. If you had an opportunity to check that out, shoot us a message and, and let us know what your buy up was. I think we have a post in the Award Travel 101 Facebook community discussing this and how off, awful many of these are. So, Curious what yours is. Next. While the ink cards are, the elevated offers are no more, they've gone back to their normal thing. We do have some elevated offers on the Alaska consumer and business cards, including the companion pass with your sign-up bonus and Hyatt consumer and business just tweak the welcome offers too. I haven't looked at the Hyatt cards because as we all know, <laughs> I'm not the Hyatt girl and you already have them, I believe both, yep. but how do the offers look? Yeah, so the Hyatt card got a 15,000 point increase, but it's one of those tiered or stepped bonuses. So it's, you spend, you know, whatever the normal is to get the, the Hyatt business card, you still get the same 60K it was. But if you spend all the way up to your tier amount, which I believe was $15,000, I'd have that to go right. double, double check it. But uh, then you spend up to 15,000, they'll give you an extra 15,000 bonus points. And the uh, consumer card just got a 5,000 point increase. So it was 35,000 points instead of 30,000 points for spending $4,000. And then the same, same bonus that it structure it had before, again, a tiered bonus where you get two points per dollar up to 65,000. So another 30,000 or total of $15,000 spend on the consumer card as well. Okay. We've talked in the past about the death of the MGM and Hyatt partnership and that we were waiting to see uh, what the new marriage was between uh, MGM and Marriott. And it's not pretty. <laughs> it's, it's, MGM got bonvoyed. That's what everybody's did, saying. Did MGM get bonvoyed? Did members get bonvoyed? I think uh, a lot of people got bonvoyed because the reality here is we still don't really have a complete set of what's going to happen here because this is an evolution of what they're going to do. They have not finalized everything, but oh, and by the way, they raised resort fees in the process on all of these resorts that they are nice. uh, working with too. So we get higher resort fees. I think one of them or no, 
three of them went over the $50 mark and there's still tax on those resort fees. So you could be talking, you know, mid fifties, upper $50 per day, just in resort fees. Why many of us will not like this is that, you know, under the Hyatt partnership, you could get status matching from your Hyatt status, whether it was globalist or explorist, you could match to MGM and get MGM gold status, which waived their resort fees. And you could get some special rates, which were as low as $3 per day. In fact, just under $3 per day if you got certain casino offers. So a lot of people were able to get some really, really cheap elite nights or that credited to Hyatt and work towards their global status. We don't know if that's going to be possible, but you certainly, unless you have the top tier Noir status, you can't get anything with Marriott. And Marriott does not have a status match, so to speak, but there are some benefits that may apply with your status over to MGM. So we'll link that post into the show notes. You can look into more of that. And then there is a new lounge opening in uh, LaGuardia. It's a new Sapphire Lounge. I don't know what the access rules are. I don't have a Sapphire right now, so I think I can get in maybe once a year or twice a year with my Priority Pass membership. Of course, if it's not crowded, then you know we all know how that goes. But it's supposed to be very, very nice. Yeah. So, what do you uh, know about it? The people that are already going in a lot of blogs and media have been covering it. And the things that I'm seeing is saying, hey, it's already overcrowded. It is very nice. But, you know, you'll be happy to hear that you will be able to access this without the Sapphire card because it includes access for Ritz card holders. So there we go. I'm good. (laughs) You're all set. In fact, you are the most set of everybody because unlike me, you know, with a Sapphire Reserve, I have a limit to how many people I can bring in and you have unlimited guests. So anybody (laughs) that, you know, Angie can bring in, you know, the whole line of people waiting outside. (laughs) You know, I I, I know I have the ability to do that, but I just think that's the kind of thing that's going to get those benefits shut down. And I'm just not wanting to abuse things like that. I know there are people that, you know, they would go into like some of the, the, restaurants or whatnot and they would just buy food for everybody i'm like guys you're gonna kill this you don't kill the golden goose so i probably won't be inviting the entire line into the lounge (laughs) if you see me there well and here's one other benefit or i guess you could look at it depending on the person you are and and what cards you hold that it might be a negative but because it is a club it is run by the club that people who have the amex platinum Business Platinum, Venture X, or Venture X Business who have priority pass access will also have access to this lounge, even though it's, you know, the Sapphire branded lounge, but it is a single one time annual pass. So if you happen to be a multiple holder of these cards, you can get one per card. And if you are not a regular traveler through LaGuardia, but you have a few needs, it's time to dust off those multiple priority passes membership that you have oh my gosh i have so many (laughs) (laughs) so with that i think that wraps up the news we'll cover this week a 
Let's move on to trip updates. Angie, what's new? Not a whole lot. Nothing terribly exciting. We're actually working away really hard on the, getting the house ready to sell. I'm just going to tell a really funny story here. I already talked about it in the team chat. One of the things apparently you're supposed to do when you get ready to sell a house, you know, obviously you have to depersonalize it, but it's recommended that you get rid of your rugs, especially if it's something you want to keep. And I guess from a, you know, wear and tear, you don't want people tracking mud all over your nice rugs, but also it's, I don't know, it makes it look more neutral. So we pulled all of our rugs up, sent them off to get cleaned and we'll put them in storage. My dog is so freaked out. She does not understand (laughs) what is going on in this house. And she's playing the floor as lava. She will not walk (laughs) across the wood floor. I have to put her on a leash and she will like hover next to the wall to go down the hallway and then like scoot around the corner to go up the stairs. It's the saddest thing you've ever seen. She's nine years old. So this is, you know, something she hasn't seen in her entire life. It's also the funniest thing you've ever seen. (laughs) But anyway, so aside from the floor of lava, so we don't have any, really anything new that's booked. The Tulip Girls are coming to Tampa. They will be here as this episode airs for Gasparilla. So that's going to be a very fun time weekend. And our weather forecast looks amazing. Looks like it's going to be sunny and a high of 80. So you just cannot beat that. In January, I do keep checking my San Antonio flights to see if maybe they've gone down since I have it booked on Southwest. And so far, no, I still have the cheapest flight. I've started looking at flights for Montana and they are really expensive, as you would imagine, from Florida, Montana in the summer. So even the award flights on American are just dumb, you know, unless the cheapest one involves like an eight-hour layover in Dallas, leaving here at 7.30 in the morning and getting into Bozeman at like 11 o'clock at night. I'm like, okay, that's not going to work. So I don't know what I'm going to do with that one yet, but I'd love to try and piggyback a trip with P2 and maybe our fall meetup location, which we haven't decided on yet, which would be kind of cool. And P2 has also mentioned he wouldn't mind doing a cruise again. So We're talking about these things, but nothing's getting booked. So let me live vicariously. What do you have going on? I know you're booking stuff all the time. So, you know, I went through this past week and started tallying everything up because I I haven't put all of the stuff that I've gathered together in one place where I can see it all and see it all from afar. And I realized that I have several trips coming up. You know, I've talked about each and every one of them a little bit here and there on various podcasts. But one of the things that I was shocked with, first of all, is the span of time. You know, we've always talked about how you're such a planner and you Mm -hmm. look all these things and you have these ideas. And it's something I remember about you since way back from the first time I ever saw your post is like, hey, I'm planning out, you know, Australia (laughs) in 2029 and, uh, you know. (laughs) wasn't quite that far <laughs> off. It was actually supposed to be last year, but a little that didn't bit happen. facetious there. But, you know, it was something that you always have these long plan, you know, these plans that, and you have, you know, ability to schedule some of these things around your husband's travels and, and the trips that he has for work. So you are planning those things. They have those things scheduled out in advance. I only have trips planned through the next six months and I have, you know, six months of travel. Uh, July 18th is the last date that I have anything scheduled, and that's to return from what I'm going to discuss is this whole trip to Japan and Korea that I I managed to put together the entire set of hotels, lights, everything to do. And I'm doing it with my brother and sister-in-law. So they love Korea. And I found over, you know, one of our partners, Thrifty Travelers, 
alerts. They had an alert for Chow and I happened to be doing my taxes that day. So I entirely missed the alert. Didn't even see it until later in the day. And by the time I found it, almost all of that award space was gone. But I was like, you know what? Let me check around some of the different hubs. I looked into New York City and I found one that worked perfectly. It was exactly one seat for the entire month. And oh gosh. Uh, it was on the brand new Jow A350-1000. And I was like, oh, I'm grabbing it. I did it. And then I started talking to my brother and said, hey, you know, we were, we've been talking about, you know, you guys go into Korea and you want to work this out where we do this together. So, so I managed to get them on the same flight as me and it should be a good time. I'll share all of the booking details on a future episode, but this is one of those aspirational bookings. I wouldn't have fathomed doing five to six years ago as I was starting my award travel journey. Using the equivalent of 650,000 points, booking a trip that lists for $31,000, but less than $250 out of pocket. Unbelievable. So before we jump into our highlight feature, Angie, what bonuses did you get this week? We finished our ink card. So I see in my Chase tracker the pending points that are going to post when the statement closes. So yay, that one's done. I applied for the Wyndham Business Earner card and I got the message of, oh, we'll let you know. Well, two days later, I get an email saying, oh, thanks for going paperless. <laughs> I guess that means I was approved. And then I got an email from Wyndham saying, oh, congratulations on your diamond status. So I have started the the gauntlet for hopefully to be able to get free cruises. I've done the match to Caesars to get Caesars Diamond that has not flipped over yet. Right now, I'm still Caesars Gold. But this is one of those. There's a really good post by Nick Reyes on Frequent Miler about kind of step by step by step how to do this. So I'm on step two at the moment. So I'll keep you all posted on how this goes throughout the year. Because going back to there where P2 said he wouldn't mind doing a cruise, It'd be awesome if we could do a cruise and we could do it for free. So got to see how that works out. So Caesar's status actually resets on February 1st. So you may have to, depends on how it goes, you may have rematch to re again. Re redo it again in two weeks or so. So in this case, if you hadn't been planning to jump on something immediately, it may have been just worth waiting till the 1st of February to get that thing started. There are some people on the fringe that they managed to roll it over, but I've seen things where people only had the status for three days before it expired. So lovely. Uh, <laughs> See, that's where you should read. Reading is fundamental. <laughs> yeah. All right. That's that's all I've got. And I don't know what I'm going to get next. The card still hasn't come yet. So I still have to work on getting that one signed up. But just the deposit for the painters are going to take care of that. And that's coming very soon. Uh, I did knock out the the final payment on the ink card, though both by the rugs and I had to buy carpet from Lowe's. And so I ran up to Staples and I think I might've mentioned this and I bought gift cards and I earned 5X points on a whole bunch of Lowe's gift cards that I then went to the store and I paid, you know, $200, $200, $200. <laughs> and the, the lady was like, why are you doing this? Like, I don't need a warranty on carpet. So here we go. So how about you? What cards have you gotten recently? Well, like you, I ha got that Wyndham business card and I knocked out the spend on that very recently. I shared a post in Award Travel 201 on how I plan to get about 25% of an $1,800 purchase back in rewards. And this card does earn 5X on 
utilities and 8X on gas stations. So guess where I spent $1,800? <laughs> bought a lot of gas. So I, I bought some gift cards from our local gas station, which is part of a grocery rewards chain. I earned some fuel points. And with that 8X, I plan on using those for a future Vacasas day to come down your way because my wife loves the Indian Shores area in Florida, just south of Clearwater. You can use those Wyndham points towards Vacasas because Vacasa is owned by Wyndham Vacations. And you can use those points. They kind of have a value, they say, up to $350 per bedroom, and it's 15,000 points per bedroom. And you do that, and you do the math on that, that turns up to about 2.2, 2.3 cents per point or something like that. And then you get a 10% rebate with the points redeemed. So if it's 30,000 points for a two-bedroom, you'd get 3,000 points back per night and making it 27,000 points, meaning that 27,000 points per night will cover up to $700 per night at a Vacasa. So this could be a very valuable play to be able to use these at get, buy get, gas station gift cards and use those gift cards for everyday spend. My other card, my P2, applied for the 100K Chase Inc. Preferred offer. You know, why do we always talk about it? Because it's a lot of points for not a lot of money. That's, <laughs> uh, you know, she got that. It's a $95 card. I referred her. I'll get 40,000 points. That's 140,000 points for a card that has an $8,000 minimum spend. That is higher. You know, if some of you are looking at it and saying, how am I ever going to spend $8,000, there are ways to get creative with that. And if you look into how you can build a business, you know, some will say, hey, well, I, I don't have a business. Well, you can make a business. You can buy things. You can resell things. You can uh, look for plays that we discuss more in our War Travel 201 community that can build up your spend. And that's part of what we're going to get into a little bit Back to basics in our highlight feature. Prepare yourself for that. Exactly. So as you said, we are going back to basics. So step one in our back to basics series is building healthy credit because you need a good credit score to be able to really play this game and get the valuable cards and be able to earn all these points and go on these fabulous trips and, and even not so fabulous trips. Again, what if you start this out and all you want to do is take your family to Disney World for a week, which could actually cost more than taking them to Paris <laughs> for a week. But, but, you know, a lot of people want to do that or they want to go to Hawaii or something like that. So you don't have to be traveling to the other side of the world to play this game. But to be able to play this game, you got to have a good credit score and you have to protect your credit. So. The first thing is you've got to build healthy credit. And there are probably five quick tips. And we're going to put some links in the show notes to articles on Award Wallet that kind of go over all of these things. Number one, number one, pay your account in full on time. Don't carry a balance unless you've got a zero APR rate on the card, because as soon as you start paying interest, the bank wins. Your points aren't worth anything compared to what you'd end up paying in interest if you're paying 20-something percent or whatnot. Try and keep your credit utilization under 30%. Joe, tell them what credit utilization is. So the credit utilization is when you have a certain 
credit limit. So if you have a $10,000 credit limit, then that means that if you're using more than $3,000 or 30% of that credit line, that will impact your score and it will definitely drop it. So you want to make sure that if you're looking to keep your score high, to be eligible for some of these best welcome offers that we regularly discuss, then you want to make sure your score stays as high as possible and know and strategize that you make sure that when that card cycles and and turns over, that you're not over that 30% mark or you'll watch your score drop. And one way to kind of keep that credit utilization low. And this is where this, you know, people always say, but oh my gosh, you know, opening all these cards, isn't going to hurt my credit? Well, one way it does not hurt your credit is it does keep your score, your utilization rate lower. Because if you have one card with a $10,000 credit limit, you know, that's what it, there you go. It's pretty easy to get that above 30%. If you have five cards and each card has a $10,000 credit limit, and you have that same $3,000 spread across those five cards, your ratio is much lower. So yeah, you're going to get hit. Your, your score is going to take a little bit of a hit by, in, by getting inquiries when you open a new card. But the fact that you are going to be lowering your credit utilization and having more credit available to you is going to increase your score over time. We've talked about it in the past, how much our score has gone up since we've started this hobby. So definitely that. Next thing, this is a key for me, don't close your oldest accounts. My oldest accounts are two Capital One Venture cards that are, one's almost 20 years old and the other, I want to say is about 17 years old. Means I'm not eligible for another Venture card, but those cards, even though they've lowered my credit limit on them, they're kind of a linchpin to my credit score because age of credit history is another big component. What's your oldest card? My oldest card goes back 20 plus years and I got it just as I was exiting college and it is a Discover card, which I rarely, if ever, use. So I don't think I probably should put something on it just so it doesn't get closed. But I guess as as your age, credit history ages as well. And my next oldest card goes back, I think, is six years younger than that. And I do still have that one and probably will not be closing it. I'm not worried so much about that as your your all the rest of your cards age as well. So I've become less worrisome about that. But as you're getting started, if you only have one card or two cards, that's something that's more important than if you have 40 some cards and long history with a particular issuer. Be careful with Discover. They had, you know, back in the day when we used to use them, they would close me with no warning whatsoever if I hadn't used it in a while. So pull that out today and make a small purchase just so you don't lose that card. The next thing is to space out your credit applications. And we've talked about this before. And we've talked about members in the group that they get so excited when they start playing this game. And, you know, the endorphins hit when you see that, you know, pending 100,000 points that they're going to post to your account. They're like, I need another card. And they go, well, you know, the the founder of this group, Richard Kerr, used to always say, this game is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Space out your application. Take your time. You don't want the banks to look at the fact that you've opened, like us, 14 cards in the past year and be like, whoa, why are they taking on so much debt? So space it out, you know, alternate with your P2. Throw in some business cards if you're eligible for those so it doesn't look like you're taking out a ton of um, credit all of a sudden. 
Yeah. And my 14 cards last year were not all me. So we, we talk exactly. about that in terms of, you know, my P2 and, and me picking up certain cards. So I did space out like all of my business cards. I looked at those and every one of my ink cards and people, I got three inks myself. My w- wife applied for two and all of them were spaced out at least 90 days. Okay. And then finally, maintain a mix of the different types of credit. What does that mean? So they like to see different types of credit in your account. So if you're looking at it from credit cards, auto loans, mortgages, the more diverse you are and the more on time you are and the more everything that you're making sure you're showing that it's covered, that improves your score. My score has actually dropped because I don't have any of these things. So in one sense, that's good for me because I'm not paying interest on like a home uh, loan. I'm not paying interest on car loans. Uh, We've paid all of our things off. But my score has, I've noticed the hit that it's taken and I've probably taken a 20 point hit or so. And I regularly stay around the 800 to 810 mark. Whereas I used to stay when I had all those things in the 820s and 830s. So it's something that as you have more diverse credit, you're showing that regular payment history where it's, again, it's a regular payment. You're making that regular payment every month. They, they like banks like consistency. And when they start seeing things like where I have things that, you know, one month I might spend $500. I don't think I ever spend that little, but let's say I did. <laughs> and then the next month I spend $35,000. That looks very irregular to a bank. So your score may take a hit, but, you know, again, it's never something that, you know, with where I stand that I've been particularly worried about with the lines of credit I have now. Well, I'll have to worry about that because that is definitely something that's going to happen to us. We don't have any car loans. And when we sell this house and buy the next one, we're going to be hoping to buy it with the equity that's in this one. And I won't have a mortgage anymore. So great. I get a ding. And it's not the end of the world. You know, it's just something to realize that those are things that all go into it. And when you look at the, the, different things that go into that credit score, you know, there's a, a small percentage that go into pools. So everybody's like, well, if you have a million pools, is it going to hurt your score? Yes. My FICO score definitely lets me know every time that I go check it, that, that I am being dinged on the amount of pools on my score. But when you realize that it's like a 5% or less total factor in the whole game, what matters is how you are making those payments. Are you making them on time and in full? Are you, is, are you getting, you know, staying in that proper usage percentage? If you're staying, you know, under 30% and even better under 10% is where it's more optimal, then, then that's a bigger factor going into it. Like you mentioned before, the age, the age between the age, the payments and the usage that makes up over 80% of your total credit score. So. Keeping those things in good shape is going to, we will always want to get the biggest and best bonuses out there. And you want to have the strategy in place to make sure that you're eligible for the biggest and best bonuses out there. And that leads into step two, which is, well, it's not really step two because we're still in step one, but the second component, which is to have a credit card strategy. Don't start opening cards willy nilly, you know, get excited. Oh, well, let's go get that. It's got a really high sign up bonus. Be more thoughtful in the cards that you open, you know, be aware of the bank application rules, which we'll have a link to that in the show notes because every bank has their own. We know about 524, but 
Amex has rules. City has rules. Capital One apparently has rules. We're not sure what they are, (laughs) but they decline people all the time for what doesn't make any sense. However, have a strategy. You know, I try, we try very hard now after, you know, blowing past 524 when we first started this, that I'll open a card, then P2 opens a card. I'll open a card. He opens a card. We mix in business cards so we can stay below 524. We're thoughtful with the cards that we open so that they truly fit our travel needs and our travel goals. I'm not a Hyatt globalist. I'm not a on the Hyatt fan train. I certainly appreciate how well they treat their high-level elites, but Hyatt doesn't fit how we travel. So I don't have any Hyatt cards in my, my portfolio. Just like there are people that they have no Amex business plan cards, and I might have a couple of those. You have to kind of put together a strategy. And we've done some one-on-one sessions with members and help them put one together. And it's like, oh, good. It it really helps to know what you're going to do over the next year. And that way it keeps you from going like, oh, I I need that, you know, 140,000 IHG sign-up bonus. Well, maybe you never stay at an IHG property. So yeah, it's a big number, but if you're not going to use those points, you know, I probably, I don't know that I'll ever stay at a Vacasa or if I'm going to use those points on the Wyndham thing. I got that card strictly for what it can get me in terms of maybe free cruises. So there's strategy from that element. And, you know, hey, I'll go look and see what I could use those points for down the road. Yeah, there are certain cards we get for holding to have certain other benefits. And that's, you know, one of the reasons why. I keep the Sapphire Reserve around no matter what everybody else says. It works best for me in my home airport because I've managed to uh, get anywhere between $600 and $1,000 a year of dining in my airport priority pass restaurant. So for me, it's hard to say, hey, that card's not providing value because in addition to the $300 credit it gets every year, I get that dining at the airport, which takes care of you know, making sure we're fed before we get on the plane. Nobody's grumpy and and upset and hangry out there. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's something of value. There's a lot of things that we get and they, they may not work for you. And going back to John's, you know, comment earlier about the discussion on ink cards, you know, we can go and get those cards because we know it's, it's a, it's kind of a speculative decision. If you, if you think about it, we don't, maybe necessarily have points. I know that I don't have an immediate use or need for those points. I have more than enough chase points to cover travel for probably the next two years for what my plans are and will be. But I know what I can do with those points. And so when I see a, a good deal, you know, I'm going to jump on it and I'm going to try to let the the world know and the community know that, hey, there's a great deal out there. And we want to make sure that you have those opportunities too and know what you can do with those points. Exactly. Real quick, uh, share just a couple of the uh, Chase and Amex City Capital One rules here that Angie mentioned. And we often say to start your journey with Chase because once you have applied for five cards over 24 months, doesn't matter how high your score is, they are not giving you a new one. And that's from any bank. Any bank. Two personal cards, max in 30-day period, one business, and we have a, there's a 90-day one-on-one rule. So it's try to, again, talking about spacing out those applications, you definitely want to make sure you're not pushing too close. Amex has a five credit card and 10 charge cards. So like the 
uh, platinum and gold cards for sure are charge cards. You can have up to 10 of those. Green may or may not count. There's been mixed reviews over the, the years on what, what it is at any given time. But those cards, you can get up to 15 cards with Amex. I think I have in total 10. So I, I am maxed out with credit cards, but not with charge cards. So I'm certainly eligible for more of those. If I wanted to, of course, the question is with their lifetime language, am I going to get past that for a bonus or not? City has applications of their, their rules. There's really no limit on the number of cards you can have, but they do have a limit on total line of credit access across all cards. They do have a, a 1865 rule on personal cards, which means how often you can fly every eight days up to two in 65 days. So that's, you can apply on day one, day eight, and then you'd have to wait 65 days before the next one. Maximum of one business card in a 95 day period, and you can receive sign up bonuses. Used to be you could kind of churn these, but they are now out to 48 months, I believe, on most of their cards. And that is 48 months since the date of your last bonus. So it may be more than 48 months before you're eligible for that bonus. And then Capital One, finally, max two consumer cards per card family, one personal or one business card every six months. And one of the big negatives about Capital One is that they do pool from all three bureaus. You may be able to bypass this if you lock one of those bureaus. I've heard many data points of people being able to get approved on just two pools. And one of the other things with City and Capital One both is that they are inquiry sensitive. So if you are looking at one of the, like the City Premier or a uh, Capital One Venture card, you may want to work on that somewhere within your 524 strategy before you start getting too heavy into the game. Exactly. And one thing about City as well, Chase is really good if you need to reallocate credit. And that's where I am pretty much on all of my cards that I get with Chase now. You can just call and say, you know, they're not going to give me any more, but hey, can I pull some off of this card over here that I don't use very regularly so that I can get approved for this new one? And they'll do it. City won't do that. They, the only way they would have to do it, they do an inquiry and a poll. And basically you're applying for more credit with them. So just be mindful of that. You know, it, it, I think we've got just a silly credit limit on our Rewards Plus card, which I used to have for my like Apple Pay or something like that. <laughs> Not even, you know, my 99 cents a month, but I've just got a silly credit limit. And I'm like, can't, can't I move that over to my Premiere? It's like, nope, they just do it. So just be mindful of that. And on that note, we're up to our tip of the week here. So don't sleep on the lesser known partner programs. Explore. You never know what you'll find that no one else is discussing. Joe, tell us about your Etihad. Yeah. So for example, you know, I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but you know, what program does everyone mention that you can use to save on American flight? British Airways. Everybody discusses using British Airways because they have a an easy to use point system. It's often less than American. But how many people are talking about using Etihad Guest to book Never. American? <laughs> Nobody talks about them. And they aren't as good in some ways as what they used to be prior to a year ago when we first launched. They changed that right around that period of time. A year ago, they so-called devaluated the program. But that was a, really a lot for sweet spots. There are some different sweet spots because now they have a different chart. 
And it actually can be less to fly using Etihad guest miles than it can be to use American because they use a distance-based chart, just like British Airways does, but it doesn't matter how many segments. So whereas British Airways can get you, if you have a two-segment flight, they're going to charge you for two segments. But Uh Etihad Guest is just going to charge you for whatever the total distance is of that booking. So it can be a better program. There are some negatives. I provided an example in the Award Travel 201 community on how you can use this to save. They do have a little bit of a gotcha on on that with hitting you up with some extra miles to cover some of the taxes and fees that they they charge in addition to that. But if you want to check that out, you can look at that post. I'll link that into the comments. You do have to be a member. So full disclosure, Award Travel 201 is a subscription group. And we do have a couple of easy payment options you can get for as low as $9.99 monthly out to $89.99 annually, which also provides you with complimentary Award Wallet Plus. Do you know what their expiration policy is? So Etihad Guests has 18-month 18, 18 expiration policy, and it, it is based on use. So use or activity. So if you have activity, which could include depositing more points in from, say, American Express or any of the other partner programs, that is considered activity and will extend again 18 months. I think I'm going to go check them out for the Montana trip to see what they would price out because British Airways isn't an option since there has to be a connection. Maybe they'll be cheaper than what AA is. There you go. We'll see. With that, it wraps up our anniversary edition of the Award Travel 101 podcast. Angie, remind everyone where they can find us. You can find us in the free hundred and almost 5,000 member group, Award Travel 101 on Facebook. And for more intermediate and advanced strategies, check out Award Travel 201 community. Again, it is a paid community, but there are lots of things you won't find in the 101 community. Exactly. You can also book time with our team. Check out Award Travel one-on-one consulting services. And you can email us at contactawardtravel at gmail.com for any questions or concerns. And if learning in person is more your style, our next meetup is located in San Antonio, Texas, April 26th through the 28th, but it is sold out. We do have a wait list and I recommend you get on it and you book your hotel and people's plans change. We had somebody just cancel his ticket this week. So it's already starting. And as we get closer, more people's plans will change. And we are still working on a few things that uh, we may be able to open up some additional space for people. I should have uh, more information by the time we record our next episode together. So if that happens, we may be able to open up a few more tickets for interested guests. And it'll be a lot of fun discussing things. We had all three of our speakers for the Taco Taco Bada Fiesta on the podcast. That was Tony Perkins Southam. We had Justin Bakula and we had Ryan Smith from Award Wallet all on the podcast. So we can link in episodes with those members as well. And you can check out those episodes. They have a lot of great information across the three of them. And we'll have a panel discussion afterwards with me and all of our speakers to ask us anything. So it'll be a lot of fun. Hey, well, thanks for joining us. And there will be a link in the show notes to support the AT101 
podcast and community in case you need a new card. Take care. We'll see you next time.